We are in overflow. This is week three of overflow, uh, the first week. And it's just talking about the idea of uh, how God fills us up and how we experience his presence. And that presence and that love of the Father manifests itself in the world. It overflows within us to bring transformation. We see this as we kind of looked at Acts, um, as we're looking at Acts, uh, verses 1, 4 to 8. But, um, but in the series, one of the things we're doing, it's based on a book called uh, Reaching the Unreached. And that's the book. It's on Amazon. You can see it on our website. The chapter this week, chapter 4, is epic. It is amazing. And I would encourage you to read chapter 4. If you can buy the book and read chapter 4, it is amazing. And that's what I'm going to preach on. I'm not going to be able to capture everything that it does, but it's an amazing chapter. And, um, and then we have questions that will be on our website that your kids have and that you'll have, that our kids' crew kids have and preschool kids have, all uh, in relation to what I'm going to be speaking about today. Okay? And so you can have conversations with them. We want to set you up to do that. And uh, it's been amazing. We've had a lot of uh, uh, really positive feedback. But the book is just a starting point, too, right? And so it's an opportunity to kind of read what we're doing. But uh, every week, whoever the speaker is, will adapt it to what we feel like God's doing in the church. So it's not like this dun, 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 dun kind of thing, right? Because we always want to be led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and do what the Spirit's doing. And today, um, you know, the first week we talked about um, waiting, the importance of waiting before we go out, waiting to experience God's presence, and then taking that power that we experience in his presence out to the world. That was week one. Week two was moving from comfort into crisis with other people. And uh, we defined the gospel. And then and we said that the gospel is the good news. It's a message given by a messenger that's a herald, that, that, that is, is announcing um, a message of joy, a message that brings joy, that brings life, that brings victory, that brings hope. So the good news of Jesus Christ is the good news that he has come that he has died on the cross for our sins, and that whoever follows him and believes in him, uh, he will give life to the full. And so that's the invitation. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we talk about um, sharing the gospel, we're talking about verbally announcing that to people. Not like, Jesus loves you. What are you doing tonight? If you knew that you died, you know, where are you going to go? That's what we're talking about, okay? Uh, and today we're going to, tonight we're going to, today, today we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like for you, um, kind of framed within the idea of risk. But I want to say something that I said, kind of go back over something that I said uh, last week. I said that the core of the gospel is not comfort, it is suffering, okay? Now, that's just not right, okay? And every once in a while, like once every, this is the first time in 10 years that I've done this, is that I got something, and what I want to explain what I meant by that, because the core of the gospel is love, all right? The core of the gospel is transformation, it's being rescued, it's being life, it's, being, it's celebrating this, this reality of what Jesus has done for us and uh, to give us life to the full. Okay, so that's the core of the gospel. But, but, and when it comes to giving and sharing the gospel, if, when it comes for us, when it comes to us receiving that, Jesus had to suffer. Okay, so in that sense, the core of us experiencing and receiving the gospel is suffering. If we want life resurrection, and all the blessings that God has for us, he had to suffer. He had to die on the cross for our sin, for that was the penalty for those of us that were in death, which is all of us. It says everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, every, every single one of us. And the wages of that falling short is death. 
Okay? And so for us to receive that, there's going to be suffering involved on the part of Jesus. For others to receive that, there's going to be suffering on our part. Okay, and Jesus talks about that, that there's, you're going to face trials, you're going to, you're going to be persecuted in my name, and there's going to be trials and tribulation, but I've overcome the world, all of these things. Now, that doesn't mean you go looking for suffering, okay? What that means is you pursue Jesus, you're obedient, and step out, and as you step out and as he leads you, we're going to talk about risk today, there will be multiple ways that you might suffer. I will say that you will suffer, but that is not something, we're not, let's go for the gospel, we're martyrs, da 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 and we're going to go after that. No, we go after Jesus, and Jesus leads us in the power of the Spirit, and what happens, happens. You know, it's an individual journey for each of us. Okay, so I want to declare that up, because, and that's important, because I said the gospel we live is the gospel we give, okay? And so as we live the power of the gospel, we live the presence of God, we experience these things, we understand the good news of Jesus Christ, whatever we live is exactly what we give. And so we need to grow in the depth of our understanding of the gospel. And again, I unpacked this last week, what that looks like. would really encourage you to read those, uh, not read them, but go and listen to those talks. Not because they're great, but because we're on a journey together as a church, and we're, we feel like God is calling us all into this journey together. Okay, so week three, overflow, the gospel of risk. Okay, so the good news of risk is that it increases our faith. It brings us closer to Jesus. It builds the kingdom of God as we are freaked out in the process of it. Okay, so the good news of risk is that it empowers us to become who God created us to be. If the gospel is about life, if the gospel is about this idea that, we, that Jesus has come to give us life to the full, the gospel of risk is that risk will help that process. As you risk, your faith will grow, okay? And as your faith grows, you'll trust Jesus more. As you trust Jesus more, you will yield more and more of your life to him, and you will experience more and more transformation. You'll become more and more like Jesus. And central to this is risk, and we're going to look at that today. It's a scary deal. I want to read a few quotes from some dudes that are kind of legends of the faith, and uh, just to kind of create a framework, no, not a framework, a foundation that Antley's just not making this up. This is the Word of God, and here are some people who have gone before us who also believe this and affirm this. So if you get angry, get angry at one of them. First of all, the model of church. You've heard me say this a million times if you've been here. Risk, our faith is spelled R-I-S-K. John Wimber said that, and as he ministered to people, as he stepped out to heal people, there was a time, you know, when he started his ministry, he prayed for a year for people in the middle of a, of a gymnasium, packed out, white sheet was in the middle, people would come down to be healed, he'd take them around the back, pray for them, and for a year, nothing happened. That would stink. That would be brutal, right? That is risky. That is risky. Um, and uh, Hudson Taylor, famous missionary, said this, he said, unless there is an element of extreme risk in our exploits for God, there is no, there is no need for faith. C.S. Lewis said this. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, Tozier said this. Another, another famous guy that I love. He's awesome. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 
95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. There's a quote from the book. We may long to experience more of God's presence, but maybe we aren't doing anything we actually need him for. If our goal is to cram a room full of people, cram a room full of people, we don't really need the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. And we see that. We see that. Great worship leads to great power. When you experience the presence of God, it is the presence of God, a deepening of the presence of God in your life that will always manifest itself in power of God. The presence of God transforms us, so the power of God will drive us out, will throw us out. In the, in the, um, whenever Jesus talks to the 72 and he sends them out, that word for send is he flings them out. He flings them out of the nest into a reality. They have to learn to fly. They're risking every day doing what they saw Jesus do. And they became people who transformed the world. That you sit here as a result of their risk. And that is, that is amazing. That is amazing that we are called and we are equipped to do the same thing that they did. Every, every day, whenever I come to church on Sunday, whenever I'm preparing my talk, there's only one thing I pray for. There's one thing. And it's not you. It's for power. It's for power. Because without power, these are just words. Right? These words have no effect without power. And so, if you want power, you experience this presence, and then you go out and you begin to risk if you want to experience his power. If you want people to know and experience the gospel, it will require you stepping out and risking in the same way that Jesus did that for you. In the same way, each one of you, I bet, every one of you, somebody told you the gospel. Somebody risked, right? And when I say that, you can think of who that person is because your life was changed forever. Every single one of us have experienced the freedom and the life and the love and the rescue of Jesus Christ because somebody stepped out towards you and risked for you. I'm going to run through, you know, the, the slide that we're using or the, the scripture that we're using for this. And I want to run through just, I want to talk about the scripture in Acts. And then I look at some of what Jesus says to us to show, like, why this is true. And then some of what Paul and Luke show us very briefly um, about the importance of risk or how risk always goes with, there's always power. God always provides. God always shows up when we step out to share the gospel to other people. Okay? Um, it says this. Um, but you, in Acts 1, and this is uh, 6 to 8, or really just verse 8. But you, who will receive power. That's the who. Who will receive power? You will receive power. The what? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay? You will receive what? What will you receive? You'll receive power. Who will receive? You. What will you receive? Power. Okay? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When will you receive power? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is straightforward, folks. You don't have to look up the Greek and the, the weirdness of what these verses really mean. This is straightforward. God's teaching us the exact formula for how the world is going to change. Okay? So the who is you. The what is power. The when is when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And why? 
And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the end of the earth. And to the end of the earth, the where. So we, you, are given power to witness. For the witness, that is why we exist. The purpose of our life is to witness, to build the kingdom of God. That's why we, are, that's why we receive power. When you come down front here during prayer ministry, and you're asking for the presence of God, and God pours it out, it is so that you will go in power. Now, here's, now I know you're kind of, well, what about just, you know, worshiping God and experiencing the presence of God? Yes. Yes to both, though. Yes to both. Not yes to just, I'm going to receive, receive, and receive, and I need more and more and more before I can go. No. Jesus equips those he calls. And we talked about that last week. Jesus is waiting for you to show up, not to see what you can do. He wants you to show up so, he, so, he can, so you will see what he can do in you. 90% of evangelism is just showing up. And Jesus, that's what he wants. And the promise is, when you show up, he will pour out his spirit on you. He will empower you. His presence, as his presence falls on you, as you experience his presence, the Holy Spirit came into the upper room, and they saw, and they experienced, and they heard all of these things. It manifested in power of them going out. And there is value. There is powerful value. It begins with experiencing the presence of Jesus Christ in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what brings transformation to our heart. That is is what takes our heart from moving from, I have to do this in obedience to experiencing deeper and deeper expressions of God's love for us. And as we do, then we go. Then we go out. And we're built for going out. There is a seed that God planted in us when he gave us the spirit. The same spirit, the same spirit that, that, that brought Jesus from the grave lives in you, okay? And that spirit is wanting to grow. He's wanting to get out. He is, he is, he, and you just need to open the door. All right, come on, baby. Mm-mm-mm. Come on, go, go, go. That's what he's wanting. I want more. I want more. Take me, use me. There's a quote from the book. New Christians have a pent-up energy intended for mission. As Paul says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, Romans 8, 11. That's a power greater than the neutron bomb. It was deposited in us because we were meant to be fighting alongside the armies of the host of heaven, taking enemy territory, taking captives, pushing back the kingdom of darkness, reclaiming What the enemy has stolen, what belongs to Jesus, our King. There are people around you that Jesus has died for. They are his, and we are called by him to rescue them. I added, I like changed some of that to make it better. But that's a powerful, it wasn't the the gospel part, though. I left that for real, okay? But we have been given power to do something. We have been given power to do something. Jesus brought us to him to do something. When you get to heaven, this is over. You're done. This, this opportunity will no longer exist. You are here right now with the opportunity to expand the kingdom of God. When you die and when you get to heaven, there will be none of that. It will be gone. Your opportunity to worship him in spirit and truth, to worship him and your acts 
offering your bodies, offering your actions, and everything you do, worship the Lord, will be gone. Will be gone. And you might think, well, I'm just gonna, there's no like regret in heaven. There's no, you know, none of this and none of that. You know, I've talked to a missionary one time who ministered to the poor, and he said, you know, I think there will be a knowing. There will be a knowing of the ways that we yielded to God and, and that it will relate to the crowns and the reward that we receive in heaven. So there'll be a knowing. Jesus will know. The Father will know. The Spirit will know. And I think we will know, not because, and not to create guilt in us, but to create celebration and joy for the things that Christ did in us. It says that we will be held in glory. What does that mean? It means that we will be held up and people will see the glory of Jesus Christ in us as we were obedient to do the things that he did. He will be raised up as people see us and the reflection of who he is in us. That's what the gospel and sharing the gospel is. As you moving towards people, talking to them about Jesus, sharing your life with them and who they are. Okay, this is Jesus' ministry. Let's take a look. It's Matthew. Look at the link between sending out and the promise of the Holy Spirit's power to accompany him. Accompany him. And Jesus came in and said to them, All authority in heaven, this is a great commission, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And behold, I and all that I am, and all that I have, and all that you can imagine will be with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus promises that his authority, his presence, his powers will continue with them as they go out. As they're obedient and go out, those, the promise is, I will always be with you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The going and the empowering are linked together, and they're a promise from Jesus Christ. The front lines are where we see Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would be with us in power. This is a a, a quote. Without the risk inherent in the mission of Jesus, we would have no great need for his power. Jesus promised his presence as we gather but his power when we spread out. I love that. The promise of Christ today is that he is here. And there is presence. In his presence, there is power, right? But his presence, in this quote, it talks about we experience his presence here so his power will be displayed as we exercise his gifts out in the world. Okay, Luke and Paul link mission and power together as well. Very, very scarily. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. With great power, the apostles testified. With great power, the apostles testified. My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And again, just like, it's just clear. It's not about the words I say today. It's not. It's not. If there's not power associated with the words that I speak, nothing will happen. But here's the deal. I'm speaking the truth. 
And there's power coming out of me now. But if you don't take it, receive it, and do anything with it, then there will be no power in your life. You have to ingest this. You have to take it in. You have to believe that it's the truth. And you have to yield to it if you want power in your life. If you want to go and have results and see Jesus move and rescue your family members that are dying, swinging over hell in a rotten vine, and all of the people that you know, you have to take what I'm saying and you have to apply it. I can't make you do that. That's why I pray for power. It's not my eloquent words. It's not what a good preacher I am. It's I am telling you the gospel and the truth of the word of God. You have to take it. You have to apply it. And if you don't, why would you need power? Then don't expect it. Stop expecting it. Stop expecting to move in power if you aren't moving towards people that are lost. If you aren't sharing and talking about who Jesus Christ is, right? I mean, this is just like not only the gospel, this is like logic, straightforward. God is making sure we understand this. Because remember, this is an invitation into life and excitement. I can remember the first kid I led to Jesus Christ. He was a dorky kid that got off a bus at Windy Gap carrying a surfboard in the mountains. Just saying. Showed me him. Went to him towards the end of the week. And God just showed up. And I talked about how the leash is Jesus and safety and life are in the surfboard. And he's, you know, all that. I don't remember what I said. But he received Jesus Christ. I remember. I remember. And I remember feeling the same excitement I felt and the same joy as when I became a Christian and received that truth. And that's when I got hungry. And God started to reveal my gifts. And I went on staff with Young Life, and then a church, and then began this church all with a desire to build the kingdom of God because of what I experienced and the joy and the excitement and the fire that I saw and experienced whenever that kid came to know Jesus Christ. The last bit of this in Thessalonians is, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Now I hope as you experience the truth of the word right now, and, and I know that God is moving in power. And I'm praying and for it to pierce your heart. That you're sitting there and you're thinking, I want this, but it's terrifying. Like, I'm afraid to risk. And that is normal, okay? That is totally normal. And this is how you get out of that pattern. It still requires risk. But whenever you feel that fear, that kind of, it's like fight or flight to protect yourself, to not step out, to not risk, right? And so whenever you see God open a door and you see an opportunity or someone says something to you and you know God's asking you to do something and you kind of stand on that ledge and you're like, oh man, this feels like death. And it does. It does. It has the same kind of emotional feelings, anxiety. Our hands might sweat. We become fearful we're like, what is, what's going to happen here? Is this going to cost my reputation? Is this going to cost my job? Is this going to cost this friendship? Am I going to experience death in these areas of my life? That is real. That is real. It's why it's a risk. It's why it's a risk. But what's happening in that cycle is that you're believing lies from the enemy. 
You're believing lies, and those lies circulate. They circulate, and they go, and they go, and they go, and you get worked up, right? Right? And so you might start off in the lies, I'm going for this. And you're like, oh, I don't know. What about this? What about this? And the lie, and the lie, and the lie comes. And you're like, uh-uh, we're not doing that. And you back away. And so here's the first thing you need to do. When that happens, remember the things that God has done in your life previous to this experience. Remember when you did talk to someone about Jesus Christ. Remember when you did step out. How did you feel when that happened? When you were obedient, how did you feel? The exact opposite of death. You felt life. You were like, I'm pretty sure that I could be a church leader and preach every Sunday. I think I might write a book when I get home because I'm awesome. I stepped out, I risked, I crushed it, the enemy. I, I stepped on what he was trying to do, and I was obedient. You feel like amazing. Amazing. And so remember, go back and think through that experience, that feeling, that emotion. And embrace that. Okay, that's... And this is what the Israelites did, right? So they get into like these stupid places because they're a group of stupid people, right? Just like us. And they're like being disobedient, worshiping gold and stuff. And, uh, and they're in exile or they're in the desert. And what do the prophets say to them? Remember. Remember what the Lord did. Remember when he rescued you from Egypt. Remember the power of when he sent the plagues. Remember that he was leading you with a pillar of smoke and then fire by night. Remember how God is good. Remember that he is your protector. Remember these things because right now you're terrified and you think death is on your door. Remember when I opened the Red Sea and then closed it on your enemies. Closed death down. Remember that. And the same is true for us. And if nothing else, if nothing else, remember what happened to you. Remember whenever he brought you in. Remember when you became a believer and the joy and the excitement. Okay, and the next one's easy. Is you got to go. You got to risk. You just got to. There's no shortcut. Right? Death, fear, anxiety. I remember, oh, I feel a little better now. And you're know, like, okay, I'm going to do this. At some point, you need to pull the trigger. You need to engage your faith, put it into gear, and make the jump. You have to. You have to do that. Because this is about Christ calling you close to him, trusting him, experiencing your faith in deeper levels. And as you experience, as you risk, and you, put more, and, you, and you trust Jesus more with the results, you will experience more life. You will experience more joy. You will experience more intimacy with him. And that is what he's after. Because what happens, we're in a cycle now. You experience more intimacy, you experience more love, you experience more of who he is and who is he. He goes after the lost, and so you go after the lost. You demonstrate more faith, you risk, you step out. What happens? You grow in your faith, his presence, and intimacy. I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm just growing, man. I'm just, my life is tough, and I don't feel like God's speaking to me. I don't feel like he's, he's showing up. Why would he show up and bless you if you are not demonstrating faith in him and trust in him? Why he's not going to bypass the journey of intimacy with you? He's not going to bypass 
and give you, I mean, he does give us stuff in grace, but he wants you to trust him and to give risk to him and to demonstrate your faith to him so that you can experience intimacy with him. If you are experiencing less than he has for you, why would he pour out his riches on you affirming that that's all there is or like, yeah, enjoy your like boring Christianity and bore, you know, enjoy the mediocrity that you have settled for. Enjoy being a consumer. Why would he do that? He's not, and he didn't, and he won't. He won't. He won't do it. Okay? And so... Okay, I gotta cut some stuff out, right? Just do it. Is that real? Yeah, it's real. Okay, here we go. All right. And so, like I said, this is hard, right? There's a, a girl in our church, okay? And she came to me. She said, I need to meet with you. I said, okay, come on in. And uh, they said, I had a dream. And I said, all right, well, what was the dream? And she started to unpack this dream that was big, a big dream that involved other churches, that involved Jacksonville, that involved evangelism, that involved in the dream there were police cars there, that involved like craziness going on, right? And she's like, I know I'm supposed to do this because this triggers everything in me. It creates fear, anxiety. I don't want to do it, but I know I'm supposed to because I'm worried. I, I fear man's voice. I fear what my friends are going to you know, what people think about me. And I know God wants me to do this because I want his voice to be the driving factor in my life. I want his voice to be the voice that leads me, not my fear of what other people think. And she unpacked the journey that she's been on with God. And she came and she's like, all right, so I want to do this. What's the next step? And we started to process and talk about this. And she's like, well, who do I meet with? What, what if, you know, this doesn't happen? This doesn't happen. And I was like, you got to jump, sister. You got to jump. You have to. He gave you this dream. He gave you this dream. And she just is on fire. She's so excited because she's risking and stepping out and she's experiencing healing and life as she does that. She's not bored with Jesus right now. She's filled with power. She's filled with the promises of Christ in her life for adventure. She's terrified, but wakes up every day filled with greater faith, knowing that Jesus has to show up, that I have bitten off too much, and if he doesn't, I'm in big trouble. But I'd rather be in trouble with Jesus than leading a mediocre Christian life. You know, this looks differently for everybody, risking, stepping out, going for it. And, and, and God will use your gifts. Think about what your gifts are. Think about the, the people in your life that are easiest. That's what I always tell people. Who is easiest? Who is closest to you? Who's teetering on the edge? Like, start there. Start there. What are your gifts? We want, God want, he's given us gifts to operate in the power of his spirit. We're, we're, we're fearfully, wonderfully made. We're unique. There's no one else like you. It's a part of his heart that you bring joy to when you step out and you do this, right? But he, he's wired you to do it in a way that only you can do it. And so this could look like you like inviting a neighbor over to dinner if you have the gift of hospitality. This could look like you know, going to grab a beer with someone or going to grab a meal with someone that you've developed a relationship with, that you have favor with. I started thinking of all the ways. There, there's, I could go on and on and on. There's, it's unlimited. 
There's an unlimited number of ways that you can share the gospel. And this is sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus, right? Talking about Jesus, sharing your story about what Jesus has done in your life, the testimony of him of what, what he's done. I talked to someone yesterday, they were like, I'm not afraid to step out. I'm afraid of stepping out and hurting someone. Kind of doing a Jesus juke. Hey, let's go grab lunch. Let me tell you about my friend Jesus. No. Sharing the gospel is relational. And if you're going around hurting people or offending people, and you've never offended people, I'll tell you this. It's better that you risk and offend people. If that is going to mean that you learn to share the gospel. God can take care of them. God's led you to them. He will take care of them. What if you offend someone and then an hour someone else is offended by, you know, someone else talks to them and they're offended. And an hour someone else does it. And an hour someone else does it. And by the end of the day, 10 people have said, do you know who Jesus is? Let me tell you about Jesus who didn't have a relationship with him. That person would have to consider who Jesus Christ is. We are called to be obedient. We are called to step out and risk. Does he want us to be relational? That's how Jesus was, incarnational. He moved towards us. He was relational. Does he want to be sensitive to where they are? Absolutely. Are we built and given gifts so that how we display that, what that looks like? Absolutely. This is my guess, though. Most of you have never offended anyone. No offense because no words because no risk. So don't worry about offending people. That's the last of your worries. Worry about risking. Worry about being obedient. That's the call today, folks. That's the word of God. That's the invitation of Jesus Christ into greater blessing, into a greater experience of life, into a greater experience of love and intimacy. You get one life. You have one life to live. And at the end of my life, I want to sit on a porch, rocking in a chair, exhausted, exhausted because I've spent my life for Jesus with as many bad stories that are ugly and messy as there might be good ones. What do you want to spend your life for? What do you want to look back on? What do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. Jesus promises he will always be with you. He will always be with you. That there is power in his name, there is power in his presence, and that there is power in you. There's power in you that wants to be released. But that's your decision. That's your choice. Right? So in the circumstances of your life this week, this is my challenge. Change the way you're thinking about relationships. Okay? Think differently. Every person you come across, is this the one, Lord? Is this the one? I was working on my sermon. There's a guy, owner of a restaurant in his restaurant. I went up to the bar, and I was hoping he was going to ask me about what I did, because I go there all the time. And I ordered a drink, and, he, and it was a beer, and I was glad it was a beer. And he asked me, so what do you do? And I was able to tell him, oh, I'm writing a sermon. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader of a church. And that was a seed that was planted. And that's all that was said. But every time I go back in there, he is going to remember that. He's going to remember that. And there will come an opportunity where I will get to risk. 
And I'll have two choices, to believe the lies or to remember who I am and what I've been created to do. Let's stand.